Hi, everyone. It is Marilyn Alori, and welcome to Who Can It Be Now? And I am going to be interviewing somebody I absolutely adore and love. And you will too by the end of this podcast. And if you don't, then you should unsubscribe. I'm kidding. <laughs> so um, I want to talk to you a bit about Susan, who I have been working with for some time. And she's part of my Next Level Living program. And we've done some coaching together. She was in Soul Finder Academy, different programs of mine. And just recently, we got to meet in the physical at a retreat last week at um, Palm De um, Joshua Tree Desert, the desert. And I got to hug her and I've got to talk to her and a bunch of NLO people. And it was really kind of magical and amazing. And besides that, I had a moment on the Thursday of the retreat where my body was kind of breaking down and my emotions were breaking down a bit. And Susan was right there. And normally I never would go to like a student of mine, although I don't feel that way with next level living people. I feel like they're very um, conscious and I can, you know, share a little bit more with them. And I do share a little bit more with them than I normally do with other people because I'm teaching them also how to run a business and how to be, um, Susan's different. She's not running a business. I'll talk about her in a second but I'm teaching them from my perspective and everything that I learned. So I do share a little bit more, but we were standing in the pantry and I just turned around and I don't even know, you know, I just said a couple of things and she gave me this really big hug and I had tears coming up and it was such a beautiful moment. And I was so appreciative that she was there at that moment to really got, to hold me because I needed somebody to hold me. I was holding space for so many people and I felt better after that. I felt great. Um, Susan is absolutely dynamic. She is, she's going to share a little bit about her life. We're going to talk about her life. I don't like reading bios anymore because I like sharing my experience with the person so that you get to know them from that perspective. And then I like them sharing about their life story. So you get to hear the bio in real time. And I think that's so much more important than reading a bio. I'm always uncomfortable when people read my bios on shows. I'm not uncomfortable. I'm just like, all right, we just get through it. And let's get to the conversation. <laughs> But um, she was a pilot. She's authored a book. She's done a documentary. Um, she was a death doula. So she's done many, 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 many things. And she's a grandma now. And um, she's just always has an incredible piece of wisdom to share. She holds a lot of beautiful space for a lot of people in my program. That's the way I witness her, right? And she's just so good at being truthful and honest and direct to people, but also really loving and caring at the same time. So welcome, Susan, to Who Can It Be Now? Thank you, Marilyn. <laughs> Pleasure to be here with you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm so excited you're here. I want you to share with people a little bit about the time you came to your spiritual awakening, your spiritual journey. And it could be anything that comes to you. It could be like at five years old, or it could be the first time you went to therapy. However, you want to answer that question today. It's interesting. So my grandfather died, my mom's dad, when I was in her womb. And so I never knew him. And I would go and stay with my grandmother in her big house and fabulous house. Had a really nice relationship with her. And I'd sleep over and I always felt a little uncomfortable. Like there was somebody watching and at first it bothered me. And then it was like, well, I don't feel like this is anything bad. And then I remember saying to my grandmother, you know, is, do you have spirits here? And she said, well, that's your grandfather. He watches over me all the time. And such a, it's like a, a new or different light bulb went off. And, and so I was able to start having a relationship with him. And I love being in her house. My gram was the best. It was just, we had such a wonderful experience. And so that was the beginning of it. Um, I have an aunt, my mom's sister, 
my grandmother's other daughter, who was very spiritual as well. So I felt like I could be me with them. Then I lived on Martha's Vineyard off the Massachusetts coast for a while. And in the house we bought, or the land we bought, we built a house on. And there were some spirits there that didn't want to move and also a really good uh, medium. So, and I had the curiosity. So I started taking classes with him and that just changed kind of the trajectory of my life of being able to transition people who hadn't been able to transition before. And then it was like, all right, well, if I can do that, then I can learn to heal the land or really listen to the land and start working with the elementals. And so everything just opened up from there. So what were you doing up until it's so funny because I coached with Susan for a while and, and they tell me stories and I'm like, wait, I didn't know that. <laughs> That's great. That's why I like these interviews. And yeah. and and I want everybody to know they don't have any questions ahead of time. So they have no idea what I'm going to ask them, which is really not very nice of me. Um, what were you doing as a job or as in your life before that moment? Like what was going on in your personal life and in your business life? Like, were you working when you went to Martha's Vineyard? What was going on? So we had um, two children. My husband had his business and I was always a stay-at-home mom. And he, so my son was gonna go through from elementary school to junior high where we lived in Massachusetts. And we knew that just wasn't gonna work for him. And we had always thought we would retire on the vineyard. Well, we went one day just to see they had just won blue ribbons for having the best schools. We knew that the uh, amount of money per student was really well spent and they had a K, K through eight program and then high school. And because it's an island, the high school was all, they incorporated like tech parts of it, business classes, advanced classes, and just the regular high schools. We thought this would be a good community for the kids. So we went and explored it, met with the principal and just found that to be absolutely the right thing to do. So, and at that point, my husband had trans um, had sold his business. So he wanted to start again. He could start from anywhere. So we moved there and he worked, he commuted for a year back and forth. And then he left that, he was done with that. And we needed health insurance while he was self-employed, so he didn't have it. So I went out and worked and then in retail and interior design. And that's where I got my interior design piece. And it was through that, I think I realized that I don't do things on my own. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd walk into someone's space and they'd be like, what color should we paint the room? And I'd hear green. And then I look at the swatches and like a green would jump out. Or moving furniture, it's like, okay, put this over here instead of here, move that there. And I had no formal training. So I felt like there was a connection to something other than just me. <clears throat> and then meeting um, Dave, who was the medium there, one thing just led to another that led to another. And then I had the opportunity to work with, um, my gosh, his, oh, Robert Brown. Mm. a famous um, medium from England and John Edwards. So it was just, and that was a whole week program. It's just, and that really heightened. And it was just like, okay, now there's no going back. Mm. Yeah. So when you were doing death doula work, you were doing it in Martha's Vineyard? 
So the death doula work didn't come until I made the move, at, left my marriage, made the move to go to California, get a place to live, which is a whole other set of very guided steps that just showed up. And one day I just was, okay, I'm now in California in the perfect place. What am I going to do? You know, what's here for me? And I answered a very, like, three-sentence ad in the newspaper that was looking for hospice volunteers. I was like, oh, I can do that. So I took the hospice training for six weeks, did that, had a client, and then this hospice was also offering end-of-life doula training. They were one of the first ones to offer it. I was like, I'm not afraid of death. I can do this too, and took that training, and then that's how the end-of-life doula came. And then because of the experiences I had with people at their end of life, when especially if they're in a hospital setting, um, nursing home, how they're just not treated um, at the end at their end of life, and so that's where my book came from. Right, and the and the title of your book is "A Graceful Goodbye: A New Outlook on Death." A graceful goodbye, a new outlook on death. Okay, before we go there, so how long were you an end of life doula for? Ah, uh, this until until the pandemic so from 2017 20, probably a couple of years okay and what was the most profound experience for you being an end-of-life doula and I'm sure there are many but if you were to walk because you have all these lifetimes <laughs> you're a mom you're raising kids you even had a, a career before you were a mom then you're yeah. a mom raising kids and then you go to California. She had this whole experience with your divorce, you know, ending your marriage, go to California. And then you're working as a death doula. Then you're writing a book about grief. And then like, it's just that there's a lot. So I'm curious, actually, what was your profound, what was a profound experience in the death doula work that is still playing out in your life today? Let's say that. So it was actually the first, um, no, it was probably at this point, the fourth person I sat with, and we were in a hospital setting. And I walked into the room, I was actually replacing another doula. And the curtains were all open, and the machines were beeping, and the lights were on. And I just, I went into the room, and I said, this is just too chaotic. We're just going to change the feeling in this room. So I closed the shades, I turned the lights off and I asked the, one of the nurses if they could just, if the machines needed to be making any sound. And I had already turned the lights off and closed the shades. And so when they came in, they were like, wow, this whole room feels different. Mm. And they turned the machines down. They were like, can we just sit in here with you? Like, it's so calm. So that's the way it's supposed to be. Mm. It's just calm and easy and so Instead of them, I mean, there's so many protocols that they're supposed to go through with someone as a life. And that's, again, I wanted people to be aware that that's not the case. Anyway, they then were willing to defer to me with any questions. Do you think we should do this? Do you think we should do that with this person laying on the bed? And I said, no, just leave them be. And I could even feel that person's energy shift as well. And I think I might've put on, like we try to get some background information of so, whether what kind of music they like. And so I think I might've played some music and it was just, 
you're there for a four hour stint and it just made all the difference. And I was able then to carry that experience for my parents when they died. I was able to be with both of them. And so I feel like that was my gift to them by learning how to do this. Who hires a death doula? So this was all, I was doing it all voluntarily. Now it is more of a business. So it can be, typically it's either the person who's dying that knows that they're dying and wants to have everything put into place or the loved one's family or caregiver um, can hire somebody to come in and be with them. And especially if the family doesn't feel comfortable being alone, being sitting with a person alone, they will hire a death doula to do that. So they know their loved one's not alone at their end. Okay. And then, okay. So after you left doing end of life doula, what did you do then? When did you write the book? That was at the, during shortly after that. <clears throat> and when did your husband pass? And so I wrote the, that's a good point. So the book was, came out as an ebook December of 2016 and he passed October of 2016. So there's actually an epilogue in there for him or to him that wow. they typically don't do. So you were do. writing it before he passed. Mm -hmm. And what made you want to write that book? Educate people that their end of life, they, they have choices at their end of life. It doesn't have to be in a loud room that um, people, even though they seem unconscious, hearing is the last sense to go. And so sharing stories, playing music, laughing, you know, a lot of times parents don't want to leave if it's an elderly parent, even though it's an older son or daughter, they don't want to leave because they know that there's been a relationship. So sharing a vacation that you're going to go on gives the person who's dying like, oh, good, they've already set up their life is going to go on. And it's the opportunity to just air all the dirty laundry too and to come to a place of forgiveness. So there's no regret on either side. I love that. That's great. And then um, when you wrote the book, what's the title of the book again? A Graceful Goodbye, A okay. New Outlook on Death. And it came out after your husband passed, right? Yes. Yeah. Do you know your husband was going, if, if there's any question I'm asking you because you weren't prepared at all, I'm so sorry. Okay. Just let me know uh, and we will edit it out. So it's not a problem. We, Ricky, you don't have to edit this part out that I'm saying this to her. Um did you know he was going to pass or was that something sudden? So he did not have any, had not been diagnosed with anything. When I left the marriage, he was not in a healthy way. Mm. And I loved, I loved him very much. I still love him. And although it got to the point of, you know, I don't love you or I love you too much to watch you not take care of yourself, but I don't love you enough to be your nurse. Mm. And that was one of, there were several things and there's a lot that I own as well in the relationship, but that was one of them. And so when we actually saw each other in court, he had gained weight, lost weight, gained weight. And two years before he died, um, we saw each other at the courthouse and it was just like, wow, he doesn't look good to me. And then I think my daughter posted a picture and he looked really puffy and I said, this isn't good. 
So, and it was a surprise because it was a, a heart attack that he um, died from 58 years old. Did you, that's so young. Oh my goodness. Did you hear from him after he passed? Oh, he's around all the time. Well, not so much anymore, but in the beginning. And it, the ironic part is when I left the marriage, part of it was communication. And he never really understood my whole medium piece or who I was. One of the first things he did was contact a medium, mm. which I thought was quite ironic. <laughs> and how did you know that? Because you were there or? No, I just, people had told me. Oh, interesting. Because he would share it and then they shared it with me. And I was like, oh, wow. You'd come talk to me, but that's okay. So let's talk about the magic of your life. When you decided to leave your marriage, you were married for how long? 28 years. It's a long time. 25 together for 28. Yeah. And you had a really profound moment. And it's actually, I believe that story is in my book, isn't it? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yep. Okay. So share a little bit about that experience what you're comfortable with just for people who are, you know, you love this man. He was a good man. It's hard to leave something when you start shifting and changing and expanding and growing into something new, share what you feel comfortable sharing about making that decision to follow your heart and what that was like for you. So I had learned at that point that when there were big decisions to be made in my life, I always asked for a sign. So I was moving into an apartment in Boston and I was there a little early before signing the lease. And so there I noticed a coffee shop across the street. So I was like, oh, good. I'll use the restroom. I'll get a cup of tea and then I'll come back. And, and prior to walking to that, I said, OK, am I doing the right thing? You know, window dressing. We had the perfect light. Anyway, so I walk into the coffee shop. That's important, though. Window dressing. We had the perfect light because. To everybody else, the, it looked like a perfect life, right? And it's mm -hmm. not to say, because we have a lot of respect for him, that mm -hmm. there weren't moments of greatness. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Great. Okay. So I just, I don't want to brush over that because we sometimes question our truth when mm -hmm. we, when everything is good and then, but it doesn't feel right to us. Something doesn't feel right. Was Would that be a great way of explaining that, Susan? Absolutely. Yeah, there was... There was just something missing, you know, on both parts. You know, it's it's like you you get into the routine of life and things were still good. We were doing things, but there was still, I don't think he was happy and I certainly wasn't happy, but the only person I realized I could take care of was me mm. and that I needed to make a change because if I didn't, I was going to be the one that died yeah. figuratively or, or real. So when I'm walking down the street, I just, I need a sign. I need a sign to know that I'm making the right decision or the best decision at this moment. So when I'm in the coffee shop. I get a cup of tea and a cookie or whatever, and end up talking to the woman behind the counter, asking her about the neighborhood. She says, oh yeah, me, my daughter and I just moved here, opened up the shop six months ago. It's been great. People are so friendly. And I'm really happy because literally it's, you know, two minutes away from where I'm living. I said, well, thank you very much for the, the information. My name's Susan. And she said, oh, my name's Faith. Like, uh -huh. there's my sign. 
the funny thing is I lived in that apartment for a year. I go back like six months later and the coffee shop's no longer there. No. So it's as if it was there just for me. Okay. That was, that was my, I have tingles in my body. That was my sign that I would be taken care of. So when she said her name is Faith, what did you feel? Just, I, I got a whole body rush of tingles, which is typically what I know that that's truth. That's my sign. And I got very emotional because I was like, okay, I got this. This is what I meant to do. And I, I can do this. Because you were struggling with the decision of leaving the marriage and living on your own. And that was the sign that said you're doing the right thing. Yep. And was, that, was that sign correct? Yes. Okay. Right. I love that. I can't, you know, it's, it's interesting how things just show up and the opportunities that I've had, the experiences. I mean, moving, the other part of moving to California and the area that I lived in was during that time. That's when I took flying lessons. Who knew over the age of 60 that I'd take flying lessons and fly a small plane. And yet I can't imagine not having ever done that. Right. So tell me first, before that, when did you decide to move to California and why California? Because here you are living in this apartment, right? Is that correct? That's when you decided? So I lived in California back in the late 70s, early 80s. Okay. For only a couple of years. I loved it there. Loved it. Like that's my, that's my true being. My soul is so happy in California. <clears throat> so I needed to come back East and I knew that I left a part of me there. So once the marriage was over, again, another happenstance thing showed up. Um, I would take workshops actually in California a lot in the Santa Barbara area. So that's where I thought I would live. That turned out not to be the place. So anyway, I get a mag Oprah magazine that I haven't gotten for two years, had an article in it about this woman who works with horses and helps women in trauma. That sounds good. That that's right up my alley. So I researched the area that she does this in. And it's like, oh, never heard about it. Uh, was all in uh, Royal Grande. Never heard of it. So I started Googling it. And it's like, oh, perfect weather. <gasps> These are houses I can afford. So when it was a three or four day workshop. So I, I ended up renting a house for a week because I thought, well, this is a good possibility. It doesn't make sense to stay in a hotel for a week because it's just different. So I rented a house for a week and a car and drove all around and decided that that was it. That's where I was going to be. And then how soon after that did you decide to move? It was a year after. Wow. So this seems important to share. So again, I'm the divorce isn't final. This is in, not there in October of 2013. We're still going through issues with the divorce anyways. And I was training for a Spartan race. And so I'm running on the beach. I'm like, what am I doing? What am I doing? I'm running from my life. And I clearly hear the words in my head. You are running to your life. Oh, like, oh my God. I literally stopped hands in the sand, tears coming down my face. I look out at the water and there's a pot of dolphins going by. Mm. I can't make this up. So again, a sign that this was again, the, the right next step to make. 
And honestly, Marilyn, Marilyn, I mean, I take the action steps, but that's pretty much how my life works. Like all the time, mm -hmm. something comes up, something will point it out to me. It resonates. I take that next step. And then it's like this pathway just illuminates in front of me. It's, it's amazing. Well, so I have a question about that. And then I want to bring awareness to it. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that you take a step, even if you're questioning the step, because that's human nature, right? People think, oh, they have guides or they have intuition and they're tapped in. You're never going to second guess things. You're never going to trip. You're never going to fall. You're never going to whatever. And we do. We do. That's human. We have to learn how to live on this earth plane. Why do you think that happens for you? What do you think that is why? What is it about you that makes that happen? That's my question. I ask for guidance from them all the time. Show me, bring me, guide me, help me. Um, and it's I'm willing to listen. Even if I don't understand, I'm still willing to take that next step. So it's like when Santa Barbara didn't work out and I'm like, well, I know I'm supposed to be in California. So you got to show me where. And then this article shows up. So what helps you to trust the information? Where so do you think Go ahead, Sorry, go ahead. I said, I just wanted to know where it came from. Go ahead. What did you say? So it's just, it, I, it resonates in my body. It's just, it's just a knowing, like my body will tingle or it will just, it like hits and it, it's hard to really explain. But it feels like if there's like, say something comes in and there's two choices and one choice feels better than the other, that's the way I'm, it's just, a, it's an inner feeling, an inner knowing. What, but what made you trust it? Did you always trust it? Because people struggle with this trust. And that's why I want to like hear it in your words, <laughs> because you might've always come out with the trust. You know, I don't think I struggled too much with trust. I was skeptical, but I still knew there was a better way for me, like the, what I was doing wasn't working. So I'm going to listen to these guides that are around me that are giving me incredible advice because that's a lot more fun. But a lot of people struggle with trusting. I think I get to a point of frustration. I was in my third rental in Massachusetts before I moved to California and just things weren't working out. I wanted a, a partner. I really wasn't going on dates. My life was in felt like it was very stagnant. And at one point I remember sitting in my living room and just like, I don't know what to do. Here are the conductor rods, wands, you take it because I'm not making it happen. So I kind of get to that point of frustration, I guess, with myself. And then that's when everything shifted. Mm. Does that answer your question? It does. It does. And I'm sure that there's moments and after this interview, you'll be like, oh, wait, and it was also this moment in this moment, because I, I bet you will find a thread where there are moments where you just trusted it's I, and it, I would imagine it initiates from that moment your grandmother said she didn't deny the experience you had as a kid. Someone's right. watching me. Yeah, it's your grandfather. He's always around. So yeah. I may be wrong, but it's just a beautiful weaving of this interview. And I feel like it's great. And I want people to find in their life 
those moments where they trusted themselves over the naysayers around them saying, oh, you're making it up or you're too emotional or whatever the story is. Yeah, that's a guy never actually, it's kind of interesting. Like I know you cannot, like Steve Jobs has that thing where you can only connect the dots looking backwards. So I typically have always connected the dots looking backwards in an infinite time and space. Mm -hmm. Never gone that far back. And that makes perfect sense. And, you know, I, I feel like I've always been unique, especially being who I am living in New England, just I never fit in. Yeah. So I was like, okay, well, if I don't fit in, but I'm not a, in a, for a while, I felt I was a misfit. And I'm like, no, I'm not a misfit. I'm just unique. So where do I fit in? And that's where I think the more I went to California, the more I realized that was where I fit in the most. And it's actually interesting, go back even further. So when my mom was pregnant with me, they were living in Alaska and actually spent time in California and drive, drove cross country. So mm -hmm. I always teased her that I had this wanderlust because of her initial, <laughs> that she had, I was doing the trip inside and I wanted to see it outside. So I've done the coast coast to coast five times now so it's just kind of funny it's <laughs> including the womb <laughs> probably true so so true so you're in california what made you take flying lessons i met this group of women i'm trying to even remember how i met them boy or that might have been the airport was only 20 minutes from me and i would fly back and forth from the east coast from the west coast to east coast to visit my parents and i honestly at this moment don't remember why but i met these amazing group of women there were probably 20 of them and out of the 20 six or seven had their own planes mm -hmm. and so we would just do these flyouts every month and it was just and you could go i could go and you know fly with them but and it just encouraged me to take the flying lessons i I honestly don't, wow, I have to really think about that. I don't remember. Oh, I know what it was. So one of the classes I had taken, I met two older women and they both got their pilot's license. Then I went, I had friends in California and she and her husband had both gotten their pilot's license. So I'm like, oh, wow. And they were like, it's tough, but you can do it. And that's what, then I did the research and that's what started it. That's great. And mm -hmm. what did you enjoy about flying? Oh my gosh, the freedom. Like it's, you have to be so focused, but yeah. when you're up and it's because, I mean, the cockpit is small, but the windows and everything and it almost feels, it's hard to even just put this into words, but it almost feel, well, you're literally flying, but it just, you're like weightless. Like it's as if you're up above, but you're not in any container. You're just, you're up in the ethers. It's, um, it's an amazing feeling and it builds confidence that, and the sense that you can take something that again, not everybody does and do it, you know, study for it. Like there's studying involved. There's you know, lessons that you have to go on, there's constant testing. And it, it made me realize that I, I am smart. Yeah. 
It's I have fun. some great power in there. Yeah. Were you told that you were smart when you were younger or you told that you weren't smart? It was, it, 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 there was always criticism. Yeah. Nothing was ever good enough. Exactly. <laughs> yep. So Susan, are you not afraid of failure? You know, that's a good question. Um, I don't think I am. I mean, I ended up not getting my license and I'm okay with that. Um, I feel like I fulfilled what I wanted to do. I flew a plane eight times on my own. I had to navigate. I went out on one of the flyouts, renting the plane and doing it myself. And so there was a sense of accomplishment in that. That's not what you asked me though. Afraid of failure. Hmm. Well, I, I think every answer is an appropriate answer. So yeah. there must be that must be leading somewhere because some people may say, well, didn't you, did you get your license? It's like, no, I, I didn't have to. And I didn't feel like I was a failure because I didn't get it. So there is an answer in that. But I'm yeah. curious because you've done a lot of different things. You know, you now drive a boat and you're taking the boat out by yourself. And and some people may think like that's not a big deal, but it is a big deal when you're parking a certain boat in a new type of, you, you can explain it better than anyone. Yeah. But um, you just moved back East again. Like you've moved in different places. You left a marriage, you um, helped people end of life. You know, there's all these different things. So I'm curious if you don't have the muscle that's afraid of failure. You know, I never, honestly, I, I don't think about it when I, take on any of these endeavors that never cross either. You know, it's funny, success, success or failure crossed my mind. I'm just in the moment doing it because it seems like the next best thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't stop yourself worrying like, oh no, I may fail at this. Or if I fail at this or anything, you're just like, this is the thing I need to do. It's the next thing. Yep. Okay. Yeah. yeah I don't think, I don't have the perfectionist gene, which, which I've shared. And, uh, I don't really have a fair fear of failure. And I don't know that I ever had, except when I was acting and auditioning. That's mm -hmm. when that fear started coming in because rejection came in majorly. Oh, sure. That makes so, sense. And so it was interesting. I'm interested because I was asking you and I'm like, I don't have that either. And I'm like, oh, but when I was auditioning, I did have that a bit, you know, especially if somebody was doing me a favor and calling me in. And um, I remember I had to audition for this executive producer who was married to a friend of mine for a TV show that was very popular. And I bombed bombed in the audition and it was so embarrassing and um so it was just moments like that okay yes. so now I want to bring us to another part because we're kind of about to wrap up and I like this and then anything you want to share I'm happy to because I've asked you a lot of questions but you had an incredible discovery that you shared with me at the retreat and it was about California oh okay and I would love for you, so you moved back east to be with your family, correct? Yes, with my daughter and her husband and my grandson. And what was that decision like when you were making that decision? So when I moved to California, I had actually given myself five years. And then I had a sense that I would be moving back. I ended up staying six and a half years. It took them a little longer. They will always be a part of me in California, and they'll always be a part of California in me. That was a huge, you know, I, we get to the retreat and I get into the convertible. I'm like, California went crazy. It was just so exciting to be back there again. During that time, though, 
Um, and it was so funny. My daughter kept sending me things. It's like she knew that she better keep me, you know, on the hook so that I wouldn't stray the other way. But that was a realization is there will always be that piece of California in me. And I can be, I can bring that anywhere I go. Mm. And that to just wherever you choose to live in whatever kind of abode you live in is just be there 100%. Like for a little while, I had one foot still in California and one foot here. So I wasn't committed at either place. That doesn't work for me anyway. Mm -mm. So having that realization and coming back, I came back with a whole different perspective of like, this is the choice I've made. It's a good choice. I sat with my grandson on the floor yesterday reading stories. I start reading a book. He stops whatever he's doing and comes over and sits on my lap and looks at me, looks at the book and turns the pages. I can't be anywhere else. I can't. So what is the piece of you that is California? What is that? How would you describe that in a character words or emotional words or what does it give you? It's first and foremost, it's the sun. That just full on vitamin D sun. I, you can take all the vitamin. Anyway, it's the sun it's, and the weather. It's the sense of freedom. Everybody's accepting there. There's no judgments. Like even though I'm in Maryland, it's still the East Coast. It's still puritanical. There's still judgments. It's, But now I don't care. Hmm. I'm still going to be who I'm going to be in. You either like it or you don't. That's up to you. That's not up to me. I like me. Actually, I love me. I love who I am. And what I bring to this world, honestly, I wouldn't have said that probably a year ago. So thank you for that. You brought that out of me. Um, that's the difference. Hmm. It's fascinating because, as you know, I live in California mm -hmm. and uh, my heart's in the East Coast, but not to live anymore. So I understand it. But my experience, I don't like the sun. I like mm -hmm. when it's hazy out and dark. <laughs> that's funny. And I also find people more on the East Coast accepting. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I bring that up is because I had a similar discovery as you, as, as uh, I wrote on my Facebook page about how home is where my heart is. And it doesn't matter where I am. And I feel so settled now where I am because I'm so happy inside my own heart. Yeah. And it sounds to me like you had a similar experience where we recognized wherever we are, we bring home. Yeah. Exactly. I agree with that. That's, that's why, why I love you shared that because I was like, oh, that's so fascinating. But go ahead. Yeah, no, I think that's why wherever you're at, just you've made the choice to be there for however long and just be it, be there. Mm -hmm. And then when you're not comfortable there, make the move to go somewhere else. I mean, in general, not, you know, um, I once because I was drawn here too. like there's no happenstance. That, Every that move happens so easily, so quickly, so easily that it's like I'm here for a reason. Let me be open to it and let me embrace where I am at this moment. Yeah. Because that's all we have anyway. 
And what a beautiful confirmation that you're sitting on the floor reading and he comes over and sits on your lap, your grandson, and then starts turning pages and you're like, that's it. Beautiful. And we don't always get those confirmations the minute we make a decision or we move towards it, correct? True. Yeah. I think the more open, again, listening, right? The more open we are to receiving the information and asking the questions why, or even like, again, from what I've learned from you is the co-creation process. It's like, it's not all the universe and it's not all me. It's us working together. It's like working together with you. I've learned so much because of that, honestly. Thank you. I was going to ask you, um, what has growing your gifts? Because it's quite obvious. And I think a lot of people are very gifted from the day one, but they just, they either don't remember or it, it's, I think it's a lot they don't remember because I didn't remember all the precognitive dreaming I was doing at three years old and five years old when I started opening up again at, you know, 26, 27, whenever it started happening. And I think when I started going in, that's when you remember you had that since you were little, you had those sensitivities since you were little, how has growing your gifts and you've been doing it all along helped you to live your life? I think when because it hasn't, I, I'll be honest, it hasn't always been easy. Mm-hmm. Yet knowing, well, there was a long time I was very mad with God or the universe, a very long time. And once that got settled from other things that I had done, the pilgrimages that I went on, and the trust became again I can't imagine going back to not trusting like I don't always trust God in everything but as far as bringing me from point a to point b in a relatively easy easy and graceful way um and showing giving me signs I definitely trust that right love that So what would you like people to know that I haven't touched upon or anything that's coming up or bubbling up inside of you that you feel the need to share, if anything at all? Just be willing to, again, co-create, like ask for what you want. And then even if it's a small, the signs don't have to come and hit you over the head. It's usually the smallest signs, but the minute you have a resonation, go with it. Don't poo-poo it. Don't say, oh, that I must be hearing things. Research it. Go take that next step. And then the next one, because that's where the magic is. Mm -hmm. You know, and ask for what you want. Because if you don't ask, the universe can't help. That's a big one. Yeah. People don't ask for what they want. They wait until the universe tells them what they want. And the universe is like, I'm waiting for you to tell me what you want. Just like when I knew I was moving to Maryland, it's like, if if I meant to move to Maryland, show me the area. Mm. They showed me the area. I said, okay, if I'm really meant to move to Maryland, show me the house. The house, the perfect house appeared. Now, if I'm really meant to show to move to Maryland, you have to bring me the buyers for my house that can close and the parameters. I 
The house was sold before, I think it was on the market, two hours. Sold above asking, closed the whole nine yards. Like, can it get any easier? So that's what I would encourage all of you is just show me, bring me, guide me, whatever words you want to use. Yeah, I had such a similar experience. And so I understand that. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. Yeah. Where can they find your book? Is it still on Amazon? Is it still out there? It is. It's on Amazon and in Barnes and Noble. And what's the, we'll put it in the show notes, but what's the title of it again? It's A Graceful Goodbye, A New Outlook on Death. And what will they learn from reading that book? How to view death differently from what you think you know to know that death is a sacred space. I believe it's a rebirth. It's not death. The body dies, but the rest of us doesn't. And you have a choice in how you want to die at the end. Right. For yourself and, and for your family. You are not particularly looking for work. You're living a full life, correct? I am. So it's not like you want people to contact you for anything or do you? I would. Sure. I love to. One of the things I find, especially the connection with guides is helping people find their path. Great. So when they're having issues, questions, and don't know where to turn. I can help them with that. So I do have a website they can go to or. What is it? So it's modernoutlooks.com. So I can do the life coaching or help them through any of, life any of life's transitions. And you also do space clearing. I do, yes. Space clearing, energy clearing, yep. So if you're selling a house, I can go through and give it neutrality. And if you've just moved into a new house, I can bring your energy to it. People don't realize how important. I actually pitched a real estate uh, show a while ago when I was pitching. And that was one of the things because it, if your house isn't selling, if, as long as it's priced right and all whatever, it's usually the energy or the attachment or the, your attachment. So that's great. I love that. Thank you. Even rearranging furniture sometimes and mm -hmm. living in a certain way. And then someone else comes in and makes a few changes can just shift the way someone perceives, perceives also. Great. So what's the website again? It's modernoutlooks.com. Great. And we'll put that in the show notes as well. So you can connect with Susan. Susan, thank you so much. That was amazing. I really appreciate, like, I feel like I've known you. I know you. And yet now I just got a whole new perspective of you. So it was so much fun for me. I hope you don't mind that I was just, she's like, do I need to know anything for the interview? I'm like, no, just show up. <laughs> I just want to talk to you. I want to see what happens. Well, and, and thank you. And honestly, too, the working with Marilyn has been brought my level from like, I don't know, here. And really, she calls it next level living for a reason, because now it's like here and blowing up more. Um, having the confidence to just do things and move through life, see life differently has just been such a blessing. And so... Thank you. Thank you for everything that you've given me and really um, embracing me with your support and your guidance because um, I wouldn't be 100% the way I am without you. That's so sweet. Thank you. I, I really enjoyed it. And for those of you who are listening on the podcast, she was taking her hands and going up and up and up. For those of you on YouTube, you'll see it. <laughs> She's used to the video. 
but um I really I really appreciate it it's been it was so great meeting all of you in person like oh my gosh again. we laughed so hard it was so much fun I truly <laughs> thank you Susan and thank you everyone for um listening to who can it be now and I really am going to encourage again that you rate review subscribe share this podcast because we cover so much more than just psychic ability I'm really moving into more of teaching people how to move to the next level life and uh as you can see from Susan and what she shared and I know you took a lot of tidbits away from that because it was really incredible just hearing how she trusts and uh, the signs and not and asking for what you want. That was so important. So I'm really hoping that you go out there and you ask for what you want and then you do the magical dance with the universe. Have a great day or night whenever you're listening to this. Take care. Thank you so much. Bye.